This is episode 7 of our Standardized English, JVV Gerald, as ever. This one we're talking about fluency, which I didn't even realize was a dispute until I was told about it by this person, Scott Stiller. So you're going to hear us talk about fluency, what it means, what it doesn't mean, and how, as ever, it can be used to discriminate. Because everything can be used to discriminate, unfortunately. So I'm here with Scott Stiller, and uh, before we get into our conversation about fluency, a conversation that he originally inspired a few months ago, I must say, uh, I'm going to have Scott tell you folks a little bit about himself and uh, what he's studying and so on and so forth. So, Scott? Yeah. Well, I, well first of all, thank you very much for having me. I've, I've listened to your, your podcast and your, your, your writings and your your blog and uh, you know just you're just so inspirational and uh, it, it's it really is and it's uh, it, it's good to know that there are people who share you know, sort of, sometimes I feel like you know I'm, I'm, I'm you know nobody else really you know understands the perspectives that, that that I that I hold and then you know I meet individuals like yourself and uh, it's like oh okay you know I'm I'm, I'm not alone in this you know so well, yeah I, I really, I feel really that appreciate you know. <laughs> I feel that way as well, so I, I don't mean about myself. Uh-huh. I mean about you and others. Uh, I, I would be like, yes, yeah, I, yeah, I agree that I am amazing. No, I don't mean that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I think with anti-oppressive work, it fe- ironically, or maybe it's not ironic, it's kind of the point, anti-oppressive work often feels oppressive while you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it can be... It can be uh... You know, you can feel lonely. You know, you feel you know, yeah, yeah. So, but it's it's good to it's good to know that you're not alone there. So, yeah, I appreciate that. But uh, anyway, no, um, about the you know my work. I'm uh, right now. I'm currently a fourth year PhD candidate in uh, second language acquisition at the uh, University of uh, Wisconsin at Madison, and just uh, you know working on uh, dissertation stuff right now. Uh, my dissertation work is. Uh, looking at the racial-linguistic ideologies uh, surrounding the co-naturalization of um, standardized American English and whiteness within post-secondary ESL uh, settings. And so very, very basically, I, uh, I'm interested in, in the ways that uh, teachers and students, um, uh, or the, the, the ideologies they hold regarding just uh, the, the relationship between race in particular whiteness, but, uh, but you know, even more broadly about race and English language and uh, the role that plays in, um, uh, in, in, their, in their, their, their teaching, their, their pedagogies and, and whatnot. So, you know, just uh, going to have some interesting interviews, well, you know, observe some classes and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, just bring some, some new, uh, new perspectives to the, uh, to the conversation. Well, that sounds interesting. So I guess there's not much to be said until it happens, but uh, <laughs> we will see what they say. I, um, I'm certainly interested to read what happens when you finish. So, you know, good luck with that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I look, I look forward to your work, too. I'm sure we're going to have a, gonna have a, lot, of, uh, a lot more interesting conversations in the future. Yeah. So, uh, so we're talking about fluency, and the reason, as I said when I started to call that I'm doing this with you uh, is because, I don't know, was it April, May, something, 
when I was, you know, I was in my first year and I'm just sort of figuring things out. And the whole reason I ended up on Twitter looking for people to talk to is because my dean, who, you know, uh, another person who, as far as uh, I would say, is is uh, a, a white man who really tries to practice anti-racism. Um, I'm pretty sure he listens to this, although I not I don't know. He seems to like he, he likes the posts when I post them. I don't know if he listens, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dr. Middleton, you yeah. did good things. But um, he said that I should look for people to talk to. And when I was going through the survey that I put together in the spring, and there were some things in there, and you pointed out that uh, the concept of fluency isn't. 100% agreed on as to whether or not it exists or should exist and so forth. So yeah. I kept that in my head for all of this time. We are here six months later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about it once I came around to the word on my podcast. So here we are. So why don't you tell me, before we get into the discrimination stuff, but why, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, the ways in which the concept of fluency has been debated or disputed, at least of late? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the notion when we when we talk about the notion of fluency, um, one of the, the important things to really understand is that it's a it's a judgment, it's an imposition, and it's an imposition by the listening subject, the listener. So, what I may consider fluent, it can be completely different than perhaps what you consider it, and and so. You know, there's there's not one. You know, it's it's, it's not it's not this you know uh, um, uh, objective uh, quality. And and so, but but the interesting thing is that we we judge it in terms of it being um, the, uh, the the ultimate goal. Like I'm I'm fluent in Japanese. What, what does that really mean? I know. I, I mean, I often say I'm fluent in Japanese, but. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be in, you know, I was in Japan for a very, very long time, and I'd be in meetings, and I'd be, I don't know what the heck anybody's saying, you know, <laughs> so having these kind of esoteric conversations. Uh, so, you know, I mean, so fluency itself, and the notion of fluency, um, I, you know, I, I, the vast majority of my work is influenced by uh, the work of Nelson uh, Flores uh, and, and, and John Rosa, and their, their notion of, and of course, you know, preceding them, um, uh, Inoue, uh, uh, the notion of the, of the listening subject. And so when we talk about, uh, you know, any time we talk about fluency, we really have to not, not look at the speaker so much, but the listener. It's like, how is the listener making the, these judgments? So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a contentious uh, notion and without any, any strong uh, objective measures it's kind of you just know it when you hear it kind of a thing when i was um younger the first time i really came into contact mm -hmm. with the word fluency was when i was learning a second mm -hmm. language myself i know all these things are yeah, second yeah. languages but for me it was a second language i was learning french and the way mm -hmm. we were judged um in the classes was there was this little assessment sheet that was like check marks and they would rate your speaking yeah. of the language um, and there were four <laughs> levels there were four levels there was, there was difficulty hes yeah. hesitancy um, oh what was the third level um, facility and then mm -hmm. there was fluency 
right? Those were the four yeah. levels. And um, I remember there was like a, a like a two year period because I took French for a long time that they yeah. kept putting me in the facility level oh, no. and wouldn't put me in the fluency oh. level, and I was so mad because like what could I do? Yeah. I mean, it, it was it had nothing to do with my um, ability on on exams, which are a whole another different story of accuracy and that being what does that mean? You know. But aside from that, because we're talking yeah. about fluency, like I was just yeah. sitting like, how do I get? to the fluent level and then i did <laughs> I, I did and i went i went to france i mean obviously it's a privilege thing to be able to do mm -hmm. but i did and i lived there for the summer and i came back and suddenly i was fluent now my actual i mean according to the teachers now my actual ability in the language or you know the words i was using didn't really change what changed yeah. was confidence for me Ah, uh, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking back on this now, but like at the time, I got the little check mark that said fluent, um, and <laughs> I don't think anything changed in my in in the words I was using at all. I mean, maybe, but like I didn't suddenly know sure. all of French, and before I knew, nothing, you know what I'm saying? Is that I went there yeah. and I used the language every day, and then I came back and. Yeah. I don't think it made me any better. It just made me more confident. And I realized that a lot of the time yeah. what you're doing as a listening subject and the teachers, that's what they are, yeah. is saying how confidently yeah. does this person speak the language. Exactly. And that's, that's, the, that is the, that's the interesting thing about it, isn't it? Is that as a listening subject, if, if I'm having a, a conversation with someone, uh, who's, uh, you know, let's say I'm having a conversation with a student, and uh, let's just say they're, you know, maybe like a low-intermediate student. And, um, again, low-intermediate, again, is a, is a judgment because that's contextually based, right? Maybe, they're, maybe they could talk about video games very fluently. And I've had students do that. I've had students talk about, you know, uh, the video games they like and just, you know, you know, spectacular, you know, very, 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 quote-unquote, fluent. And, you know, but, um, but, yeah, you know, if we have a student and, if they're if they're it's a competent student who is you know she's not afraid of, of, of making of making errors quote unquote errors or, or not they they would they perhaps they would you know we would see them as more fluent than someone um, who is less competent but uh, you know they make less errors right it's a it's a it's a really contentious uh, contentious thing yeah the um, I noticed. Since really in the six months you've been, you, since you mentioned that to me, and I've been thinking about this concept. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm not sure that it's a common phrase. Maybe it exists. I don't know. I could look up a corpus, you know, online or something. But I don't hear very many people say, "I used to be fluent in something, and now I'm not fluent." Right? <laughs> it seems to be kind of a, a, a binary, right? Like you're fluent or you're not fluent. You don't, you know, like I'm fluent and then I'm not, and then I'm fluent and then I'm not, like. Because if it's, you know, if it's really a level of, of ability, then one theoretically could go up and down. But because it's, I feel like it's yeah. more related to, you know, subjectivity and to confidence and things like that, yes. you know. Absolutely. Because now I could not speak French the same way that I could 15 years ago. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't use it. Right, you know, right. and, and, um, and I think that what we're missing when we simply put you know lay down the hammer and say fluent or not fluent yeah. you know we're, we're we're really seeing like yeah. how comfortable are you with these words yes uh, or in the Absolutely. or in the context because it's not even just the words it's the context yeah. as you talk about like a subject like video games or whatever like mm -hmm. i remember yeah. and, I, yeah. and i and i will admit that i did this incorrectly but 
whatever. Um, <laughs> my, my job a couple of jobs ago was involving, I had to do the best plus test, you know, and uh -huh. I had to assess the student's ability and then sort them into classes, right? And yeah. now the way that test is supposed to work, I know you know, but I'm talking to the audience here, is that sure, sure. you're supposed to not, the person who does the test or the proctor or whatever, examiner, I guess, yeah. is not supposed to be someone who knows them, right? It's supposed to be just <laughs> a random person who's brought in to do the test, or if you have several teachers, a different well, teacher, right? So that you don't have right. some sort of lingering affection for the person, just natural. Uh -huh. like why would you want your student to succeed, right? So uh, exactly. they want it to be a, a, like a, a neutral observer. Well, no one's neutral, but you know what I mean. Yes, um, absolutely. But here's the thing that, like, I noticed that it was very difficult for me, um, partially because of my, you know, social, cultural, you know, lens that I look through things. And yeah. also because I tend to look through things in a different way because these students were all students of color and I'm, you know, I, I, I try to pay attention to these things. Uh, but sure. I noticed that every time the students came in in their first exam, they were uncomfortable, stressed out, the way yeah. you would be when a stranger came down and started asking you questions. And then regardless Absolutely. of what happened in the class over the 13 weeks, Suddenly, in the second mm -hmm. test, they did better because they knew who I was and they were comfortable. And then, <laughs> you, you know, when people are taking that exam, you're, you're literally being judged based on how well a listener understands you. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's obvious that you're supposed to be judging them based on their accuracy and fluency. But what it, you're really judging them yeah. on is, is you, you're judging them on yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like as a, yes. as a reflection of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you you bring all, you know uh, you know all of your your life experiences you know I mean just so many so much background you bring with you and you know maybe I mean certainly you know everybody has a different background and you know a variety of, of different categories right and so you know it's such a subjective thing and so yeah really an awful an awful way to, to to make a judgment on something as complex as language production yeah. I think that um, they're, the guidelines for the – I keep talking about best plus because it's my own experience. But the, um, the guidelines for that – because I'm yeah. sure the others are similar. The guidelines for that exam when I was – because you have to take a, a class to become certified in giving the exam, which, you know, that in itself isn't necessarily a problem. Um, but in the, in the class, they have us – like they show us some recordings of people taking the test, and then they said – what would you say for this? Here's what you're supposed to rate that. As. You know, here, here's what you're supposed to rate that as. Um, so they had someone. Some of the questions are yes or no questions, right? You know, mm -hmm. like do you whatever whatever. And um, if they answered in the even whether they're in the affirmative or negative, if they only gave a one word yeah. answer, then if they understood you, then you're supposed to say they understood you on the full score. And if you understood what yeah. they said, which since it's yes or no, I'm pretty sure you're going to understand what they said. You rate them, <laughs> you rate yeah. them highly. But then the third aspect, yeah. which was complexity, 
you're supposed to rate them yeah. lowly because you, they only gave a one word answer. I mean, but it's a, it's a yes or no question. And the thing is, <laughs> we were told explicitly to do this. Um, and oh. and um, so that'll be, I can't even remember what some of the questions were. You know, they'd be cer certain things like, um, did you drive here? Or did you, you know, whatever, you know, something like that. And then, and then if you, you could speak sure, absolutely, sure. you know, um, whatever top, language that you might want to say someone speaks great perfect whatever it's not the right words to use their judgment val their value judgments but you know what i'm saying like they're there you could be yeah, yeah yeah but uh if you spoke exceptional english or whatever you mm -hmm. still might answer that question with a one-word answer like there's no you know that's, oh, just, that's just the answer uh, yeah exactly why would you I battle mean, for no uh, reason yeah. and <laughs> So what they wanted, because, you know, it just becomes like uh, we want you to babble for no reason and get a higher score on this. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so the best way to get a high score on that test was to babble for no reason, mm -hmm. uh, to have, yes. oh, yeah. you know, a closer to American accent. Mm -hmm. I, although, you know, yes. what's an American accent, but you know what I mean. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and to, you know, be able to understand everything that we say. So mm -hmm. if you yeah. are from a culture or a race uh, where mm -hmm. the practices are not to babble incessantly, uh, <laughs> you yeah, are going right. to be judged as, right. la as lacking, as deficient. And they're going, especially, you know, yeah. I, I had a lot of students who were from East Asia and it is certainly mm -hmm. not, you know, common there if a teacher mm -hmm. asks you a question to just babble forever. Um, right. <laughs> so, exactly. and what would happen is, you know, when I first started doing the test, I did it exactly by the book because it's my job. And what am I going to do? But, like, <laughs> as I, you know, I real because because before I had that job, my job was just to give the exam. Like, I was the external observer to just come in and give the exam yeah. and leave. But then I got a job where I was in charge of a program that used the exam for funding. So then I was also teaching the classes. And then by that point, I was like, all right, look. Um, <laughs> I like how this podcast is, is me <laughs> confessing to things that I did that I should not know. But um, the, uh, yeah. I was basically like, I, I would sometimes come in and be like, relax. Like, just... Just, just you know, be, say, say as much as you can, <laughs> and then they would yeah, say stuff, and exactly. and then things would be fine. And then the people who were the auditors would come in and said they all did so well on this exam. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> but you know, because <laughs> that's what. But you know, you have people who, if you if you give them a situation where they're comfortable they will say whatever and if you make yeah. them uncomfortable they will say nothing and then somehow it's supposed to determine how much money your program gets that's why that's the problem it's like if, it, if it's just a test and they made up the test and it's bad then whatever but it's tied to the money um yeah and so yeah exactly i, uh, I think that's uh, mm -hmm. sorry go ahead Oh no, sorry. Uh, no, I, I think that uh, again, that a lot of this comes back to just how we were trained to, to analyze this notion of uh, 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 fluency, 
you know, and, uh, like within the educational spaces, um, there's um, I, for reading. There's three, uh, three uh, traditional, uh, at least in, in, the, in the literature that I'm familiar with. Anyway, there's three traditional measures of fluency for reading, and then two, two for for speaking. The, uh, the accuracy, um, and one's called uh, automaticity, and then prosody. Um, a prosody, and, and it's funny, right? This word prosody. How do you pronounce that word? I don't know. I, actually, I, I mean, I've I, know, only I know read how it. to spell it, but I, I don't, I've never heard it said out loud. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so maybe you know, maybe I'm not fluent, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, I mean, that's, really, who knows? But like, if we if we just take it, uh, if we just took it, uh, for example, uh, so accuracy, right? It's just this this notion of it being this proximity to a const- kind of like this constructed, standardized pronunciation, right? And so the, the interesting thing is that there's deviations. The deviations that are accepted are, are bound to power differentials based on uh, on the listener's background, right? Or perhaps on the speaker's background as well. So you know we have so like you know if you speak uh, uh, you know this this variety of English, then that's okay. That's an acceptable uh, you know within this this boundary, if you will. But then anything outside of these boundaries will be constructed as uh, oh inaccurate. The pronunciation, for example, when when you know, and, and again, that's a, that's a judgment. You're judging the people uh, who you know who derive from perhaps uh, these, these spaces and whatnot. Yeah, and, that, you know things like. Uh, oh, 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 sorry, I didn't. I'll keep going. Well, no, no, no. Um, the issue of you know varying from the from what is considered acceptable and accuracy because accuracy and fluency were always sort of the, the two nodes you know that I was like how is yeah. your student's accuracy and how's your student's fluency and how is their accuracy in their fluency um, you know right. and these two things were and then as you say like pronouncing things quote unquote wrong is mm-hmm. like acceptable if you look a certain way, you know, if you have certain yes. cultural yes. Fe- features. Um, yes. And yes, absolutely. I think of, for example, a stereotypical like Boston accent. There are many things mm-hmm. that people with that accent say that are different from a certain yes. type of norm. And yes. they are certainly not necess- you know, not seen as less intelligent or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. if you speak, yeah. you know, w- with a with a with a, you know, an accent from, or, or sorry, a stereotypical accent from a, a different country or even a different region, yeah. depending on you know, like southern, but black southern, yeah. right? You are seen sure, as sure. not being able to speak the language fluently or correctly. And you're yeah, saying you're saying yeah. exactly the same things, <laughs> but but yeah. um, you know the way it sounds. Yeah. Now we're getting back into the accent <laughs> conversation I had, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, if we if we even get into uh, the notion of of uh, you know, this this notion of like patterns and uh, stress, intonation, and stuff like that. And that that's one of the weird things about like uh, you know as a as a language learner it requires uh, experience as a listener and as a speaker within a particular context in order to to really get the patterns of stress and intonation. That's one of the things learning uh, Japanese and well, I mean, I've studied quite a few languages and lived in, in quite a few different countries and uh, you know one of the things I, I, that I really that really always strikes me is that you know you can learn a language but then 
then the, the patterns and stresses and the intonations, um, depending on the discourse, is, is, is really bound to a particular context. And so then if we judge uh, like a, a particular uh, uh, language production of fluency as like this ultimate measure, then you know, perhaps ultimately what we're doing is we're assigning this uh, value to experience within a particular uh, context or perhaps a particular space and then uh, the ability of one's ability to um, uh, you say like uh, adhere to speaking norms of, of this idealized listening subject rather than you know have an, like a real objective measure of, uh, of language ability when in fact language ability I mean, language of any any particular language itself is, is derived of infinite numbers of variations. So, so the whole, again, the whole notion is just hard to it's hard to you know it's impossible to to really pin down. I think um, one of the more unique experiences I've had with in terms of being understood or in terms of stress especially um, intonation, yeah. is when I lived in Korea, I, um, I lived in a particular part of, of one city where uh, I lived near a subway station. And in Korea, the, 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 the practices are such that you don't tell a taxi, I'm going to 380 42nd Street or whatever. You give them a landmark. Sure. And then when you get to the landmark, you say, all right, go over there. Uh, I mean, that's really how it is. You, you, give, you give them a landmark, yeah, and then you say, go down this block. Um, so when I would get in a taxi, uh, especially late at night, I would tell them the name of the station. Um, and the name yeah, of the yeah. station, it's only two syllables. Korean, since the 19th century, when they re, you know changed everything, is a fairly straightforward language. But because there are so few characters and sounds, you really got to get those sounds correct. You know, or mm. <laughs> close to what is expected, yeah. uh, or they, or they just will not. It's just not going to understand what you're saying. And, and it's you know, um, yeah, yeah. and the experience I had is I used to sometimes get into taxis and I would say the name of the station, and they would just sort of blink at me, and I'm just like, I know I'm saying, <laughs> I'm no, I'm no one saying these sounds. Like, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> there's there's only three <laughs> sounds here. What am I doing wrong? Uh, and and they weren't being impolite, you know. They just like didn't know what I was saying. I'm like, I don't know what I what I what they could think I'm saying. What could they think I'm saying? And it was sort of something that I used to, I used to get annoyed, not at them, but just like frustrated because like yeah, yeah. But I realized that that's probably now nah, it's not the same because I still speak the dominant language. What most of the places I've been, but it, it's it's the yeah, sort of yeah. experience that. Um, People that are, you know, learning English or changing their English are having every day where they'll go up to um, a store, to a, to a, you know, restaurant or to a grocery store, and they're saying the words, but because they pronounce them with a different intonation, the person is just like, I don't know what you're saying. You must be doing something wrong, um, and it it's, it really becomes a problem. I think intonation is a really big part of what we see as fluency, but all we're thinking about is they didn't yeah. say that word right, but they, they said the, the, the sounds, the phonemes are correct, or yeah. you know, close to what has been yeah. expected, but because the intonation yeah. is, is different, then mm -hmm. we, we, not only do we you know, think that they said it incorrectly, but we just, for some reason, we just, oh, now I can understand anything you're saying. Like, you, you probably could if you yeah. really tried. <laughs> but you're just like, this, this is different from what I expected, so I'm not going to try.
Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in there. <laughs> you know, it's a, and it's a problem because, well, look, if you, it's one thing for us or language teachers, right? So I'll be like, ah, I understand. I know what you're getting yeah. at. You know, like I had a student who kept telling me about a problem she had at cheap day and I'm like, and I realized that I looked across the street. She's talking about Chipotle, like the restaurant, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. I had to know that there was a Chipotle across the street. Um, <laughs> you know, and I had to know that, like, that could be a thing that she, like, based on the context of what she yeah. was saying, that she could have been talking I mean, about that. <laughs> but if you're someone else, you're just, like, cheap, like, a cheap day? Like, what, why would you be eating? What is that? You know, and, oh, but, yeah. the, but the other person isn't going to try to make that connection. You know, yeah. they're just going to be like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. They're not fluent. Whereas that person, that student yeah. I'm talking about, like, I, the stuff that she turned in as homework or whatever was just like, <laughs> oh, you know, really, really yeah. top notch all of the time. And but if, yeah. you, if you're someone who's who doesn't have the specific experience that we had or or the or the sensitivity that we try to develop, you just write that person yeah. off and those people get yeah. written off all of the time. Um, and it, a lot of it, I would say, you know, is racial because if you know, it's. Absolutely. If you're from a certain country and you have difficulty, you know, placing intonation in the way that Americans expect, it's cute or, you know, yeah. it's it's acceptable. Oh, yeah. But if you're from a certain place, it's, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with this person, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that sort yeah. of thing goes on. Of course. Um, I mean, yeah, that's uh, I mean, the, uh, the notion of. You know what, what accent is considered sexy, for example, versus what accent is, is considered grading. You know, and, and this is this is not just in English, of course. You know, in, uh, in Japanese as well, there was, uh, you know, there's these. Uh, so the uh, the American when an American speaks, uh, when I when I say American, you know, I mean it's just in, it's, you know uh, first language is, is English. When they when they speak uh, Japanese, oftentimes they they'll say you know you sound like a radio announcer. Like, uh, what is what do you mean by radio announcer? And it turns out in Japan that it's very 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 popular for uh, radio DJs or the, the you know the people who talk on the radio to be uh, you know uh, from the U.S. have their first language uh, be English and be second uh, Japanese as second language speaker. And so they speak with this kind of this uh, this American accent in Japanese, and so they judge it in this way. And then there's all these negative judgments about other ways, of, uh, especially with. Um, you know, countries surrounding, especially Chinese, Chinese uh, accent or the Korean accent, and there's lots of lots of negative judgments. And, yeah, and it's, it's based a lot of it is based on discrimination and and, uh, and obviously power differentials as well. Yeah, I heard that not, the ra not specifically the radio thing, but um, you know, a similar type of analysis when I was in South Korea. I don't know that the radio thing was the same, but. Um, <laughs> if when I spoke a few words in Korean, they, they said I sounded like you know celebrities, and I'm just like, what are you? <laughs> just like, just, just, it was it was it was it was interesting. Um, one of the yeah. things I said I was going to ask you and just haven't. Um, so if you are talking to a student or a teacher, and you know, we, we, we generally say that the person should strive for fluency. But if it's true, and I agree with you, obviously, yeah. that fluency is going to yeah. be elusive if you are placed in a certain category or being judged as fluent, then 
some I'm yeah. a student. I'm in class. It's like, all right, well, well, no one's ever going to consider me fluent. What do I shoot for? What do, what do I what do I try to do? Like, I still have to go to class and do something because I want to go to college or whatever. So now, what do I do? Like, what do we, what do you tell me as a goal yeah. instead of fluency? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really uh, it's a it's a really complex question, and um, I can I can really only speak uh, you know for myself in my practice as a language educator. But I, you know, I, I, I think that um, I, I, I'd like to just uh, at least express to my students that they should strive, uh, you know, to be able to uh, participate in uh, you know a variety of linguistic spaces with a, a variety of speakers, uh, not just some mythical, constructed, standardized norm, you know, and, and you would read this as a as, as a white person, right? Especially within American context, so many ESL. Um, Settings. This is kind of the imagined uh, listener that they're speaking to. So you know, even even within spaces that are uh, you know perceived to be homogeneous, some places that go to Japan, for example, or Korea, I'm sure you experience that as well. Is that they may you know maybe that may be a popular ideology, but you know I mean after all, every person who has learned to speak, uh, they, they learn they, they learn different dialects, registers. Um, Levels of appropriateness based on like formality or familiarity, etc. So you know, in, in, that, in that sense, um, you know, I, I want to really encourage my students to really understand the breadth of of language of the of the target language. That it's not just you know what is being taught in the textbook, because the people making the textbooks, are, you know, are influenced by a whole bunch of ideologies. You know? And uh, you know, yeah, I, I try to influence them to to, to go beyond that. And, uh, so, you know, I think um, as a teacher, you know, I, 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 I try to you know, you know, have them explore, um, you know, beyond standards, and, and then um, you know, if, if not, uh, you know, I think we're doing the, them a major disservice. And in fact, kind of practicing what uh, Irvine and, and Gall referred to as erasure. If we're, if we're not encouraging them to explore really the the, 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 the breadth and the beauty of you know the, the of, a, of a, just a larger uh, perspective of a language, then ultimately uh, you know we're just erasing the populations that uh, that that uh, you know speak dialects or differently from perhaps this standardized norm that actually doesn't really exist. So now let's think about I'm running a program and I, I I'm sympathetic because if people don't care well there's not much you can do about it but if I'm if I'm a person and I'm, I'm running a program and I want to change things and and I have enough freedom to make things a little bit different I I probably can't change my funding sources because I don't usually have a you know control over that but if I want to frame things differently as an administrator or a manager or someone with a little bit of power but not too much. What are some things I can do yeah. that that would make things a little bit better from your, you know, either experience or your opinion from from your work? Because sure. obviously, again, yeah. funding sources are, are a thing, and you probably can't change a whole school, but you can probably do little things. So what are some yeah. little things that people can do to, sure. to make this change? Yeah, well, you know, um, so often language learning, especially uh, in the modern era, language learning is seen as this um, kind of uh, vehicle for upward uh, mobility, perhaps upward economic mobility. 
learn language uh, to perhaps participate in business or uh, participate in, in academics, you know, and things that will allow them upward mobility. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's important to express that, you know, that sure, you know, that may be, that may be the case. Certainly, you know, um, higher language proficiency could uh, open doors for our students, and I don't want to fail them by, um, you know, getting too uh, wrapped up in my own ideologies and whatnot. You know, I, I always want to take into account their goals, you know, regardless of, you know, what, you know, the you know, white uh, capitalist patriarchal, you know, uh, baggage there are, their, bag, their influences may, may be present. But, you know, I think it's important to express that even within um, a business setting or an academic setting. They're still going to be exposed to a variety of dialects and, and, and a variety of, of ways of speaking that don't conform to this mythical constructed standard. And so by, by broadening, uh, by at least advocating to, to have a broader um, uh, understanding of English or language as, as a, you know, a, a, as a, a practice that is, uh, that is, is really founded in, in, in infinite diversity, that we're actually doing them a service because we're actually going to, uh, you know, help them participate in uh, you know, a far greater number of contexts that are that ultimately will serve the goal of uh, serve their goals anyhow of of, of upward mobility, whether it, again it be economic or academic. Well, I'm convinced. The question is, will the people <laughs> who need to be convinced be convinced? Because that's always oh. the question with this. Is that, no, we, we, we can that's, have this conversation, uh, yeah. and people, you know, the like 40 that, people who listen yeah. to my podcast will be like, yes, I agree with the two of you. Um, and then, you know, all I'm hoping when I do these things is that whatever conversation I have, whether it's one where it's just me talking or I'm talking to somebody else, uh, is that one person who may have yeah. not known some of these things, hears them voiced, because as great as it is to read journal articles, sometimes you can't yeah. read a journal, I mean, you just can't sometimes. Uh, you know, I'm just like, yeah. like I want. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. And then I read like three, and I'm like, I can't read any of this yeah. for a while. Like, like it's just like, yeah. um, right. But to hear this in, in, yeah. in you know, mostly jargon-free ways, that if I'm yeah. Justin seven years ago and I'm starting the job that I had at the last job, I eventually yeah. came around yeah. to all of this thinking because it just represented itself, and I just sure. sort of have this lens, even if I hadn't done all of this studying, but. Um, if I'm yeah, Justin yeah. and I'm just I want to do things and I want to make things better and I'm curious how I can do that hopefully you know he can look seven years into the future to hear this and and yeah, you know yeah. do things a little bit different because it doesn't take everyone changing everything they do it takes a lot of people changing a little bit I think which is you know yeah. that I think that that's the way that it needs to be all right so yeah, absolutely when it, when it, if you have like a, a final message about fluency and the way that it can be used um, for good and for ill, what, what would you say? What, you want to close the book on fluency for now. <laughs> what, where, 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 where we are in 2019, what, what might you say about the yeah. concept? Yeah, well, um, so, you know, I, 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 I think that it's always important to uh, 
uh, understand that many, many of our kind of social demarcations are different. You know, again, just you know, the ways that we categorize people and, and and groups and whatnot. So many of these these demarcations are born from uh, you know historical legacies of uh, you know, power dominant groups. You know, in particular, uh, you know, white European uh, settler colonialism. Uh, and so, you know, understanding that these legacies exist and they affect everything. Really, they affect the way we we, we see people, the way we hear people, everything. So, uh, you know, it becomes really clear that, you know, um, that language practices, uh, you know, alongside, you know, our constructed notions of uh, race or ethnicity, um, that language practices, um, that, 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 that the judgments surrounding them, especially the judgments surrounding the practices of marginalized groups, marginalized individuals, are tied, again, to uh, the, the power dominant, uh, you know, the hegemonies or the, the power dominant groups. So, uh, you know, ultimately our notion of uh, fluency is, is kind of just yet another way to create a barrier between this in-group and, with, you know, this in-group like with all the advantages that come with being the in-group and then making a barrier for this out-group who ultimately are exploited in order to engender the advantages that the in-group or the power-dominant group uh, experience. So, you know, ultimately, it's uh, you know, we should like like anything. I think we should we should really question um, where our notions uh, are, where they come from, and and to what degree are they affected by um, you know power dominance or um, you know a, a variety of uh, of historical legacies that that have an enormous impact on just the social realm in general. I think that fluency is another example of assimilation um, or the the way that it's framed now I don't mean that learning a yeah. language means you're Absolutely. assimilating but you know and the goal right now and in much language learning is that assimilation can you perform a reasonable facsimile of this language this powerful language whereas the goal should be that assimilation is no longer incentivized right right so that's the way I see it, and I thank you for yeah. pushing me on fluency, which, although I'm willing to be pushed on so many things, that wasn't even one I had really <laughs> even thought about until you brought it up six months ago. So <laughs> I wanted to th thank you well, for pushing yeah. me in the first place, and thanks for talking to me about it. Um, and um, I, I, I enjoyed having the conversation because I think it's going to yeah. be really valuable for the people who are willing to hear it, which I don't know how many of them there are, so... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you're doing fantastic work, and again, you know, with just with all with all with, with media, the podcast, and your writing, just you know everything, and it's it's so it's just so uh, it, how do you say it? it's uh, it's it's kind of spiritually fulfilling to me to know that there are that there are like-minded individuals like yourself who are doing doing the work, doing the similar work, and uh, kind of you know having this, a new generation of scholars willing to. Uh, and to speak up, and uh, yeah, man, and, and it's really a pleasure to to, to to really, you know, contribute to to, to your excellent work. And thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and I uh, I'm glad I'm doing something right with the work I just started doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Scott.
I looked it up, by the way. It's, it's prosody. Prosody. All right.